0: We need the uh, the touch of God in our lives, and so what a what a blessing. Um, one thing I want to mention really quick, and just let you know by way of information that my my uh, my wife and I will be out of town on Thursday and Friday. Just so you know, so the office will not be open. We don't have anybody to staff that, but um, but you can call in and uh, and it gets forwarded to my cell phone. So if you need something, you can get in touch with us. Uh, our girls are graduating from college, so we'll be heading out to New Jersey for those two days, and uh, and then we'll be back here. Uh, we'll be back here Sunday, we'll be here Wednesday, we're not going to miss any services, but I just want to let you know we'll be out of town uh, for Thursday and Friday, so just so you're aware of that, alright? Um, Romans chapter number 13, Romans chapter number 13, we're going to continue our series here, and. And uh, really, ever since Romans chapter 12, the theme really changed dynamically, and we've been talking about practical Christian living. Uh, Matter of fact, Romans chapter 12 kind of kicked off a whole uh, segment that was... uh, was very practical in the the application of it. And it is where the rubber meets the road. The the verses preceding, the chapters preceding that were very theological. They taught us a lot about theology, about God, about how God dealt with the Jews, how God dealt with the Gentiles. And it was written to the church in Rome, which consisted of both Jewish Christians and uh, Gentile Christians. And so you could see how that would be uh, a very difficult thing for them in that time. Uh, And there's still much application that is so relevant to us today, even in the the theological aspect of that, that God loves all people and that uh, God God died for all people uh, and all people can be saved the same way that whether they're Jew, whether they're Gentile. and, uh, And so there's a lot of deep theological stuff in that, that those preceding chapters But we hit chapter 12 and it becomes a very practical application of our salvation and where the rubber meets the road in our life. And so we're to Romans chapter 13 and the first eight verses we covered uh, last week and it dealt really with the Christian and government. And, uh, and how we are to obey government. And we are to, he ended in verse 7, that we are to pay taxes. And that fell right on uh, April tax day, all right? And I didn't plan that, as I said last week, but uh, but it did uh, happen to fall on that day. And, uh, and he transitions here in verse number 8, as we're going to see, it's kind of funny, uh, he, he, he transitions into, uh, again, practical Christian living, and he kind of, in my mind, sums up Uh, everything that he has been dealing with in in chapter, even chapter 12 and chapter 13. So look with me in verse number 8, Romans chapter number 13 and verse number 8. He says, O no man anything but to love one another, for he that loveth another hath fulfilled the law. For this thou shalt not commit adultery, thou shalt not kill, thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not bear false witness, thou shalt not covet, and if there be any other commandment, it is briefly comprehended in this saying, namely, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. Love worketh no ill to his neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfillment, fulfilling of the law. And that, knowing the time, that now it is high time to awake out of sleep, for now is our salvation nearer than when we believed. The night is far spent, the day is at a hand. Let us therefore cast off the works of darkness, and let us put on the armor of light. Let us walk honestly, as in the day not in rioting and drunkenness, not in chambering and wantonness, not in strife and envy, but put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ and make not provision for the flesh to fulfill the lusts thereof. Let's stop there and let's pray. Father, we thank you just for your goodness to us. Thank you for your word that we can study, that we can look into, and God, day after day, week after week, year after year, as we learn and read and study your word, God, how oh, how it speaks to our hearts. God, we thank You for that. We thank You for the richness and the fullness and the the living aspect of Your Word. And God, I pray that You would use me. God, I pray that You would speak through me. I pray, Father, that You would touch hearts as only You can. And God, I pray that You would uh, help us tonight as we look at the practical aspects of Christian living. And Father, we'll thank You for that. And God, we'll give You the honor and glory for all that's said and done. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen as we look at this passage again it's a very practical aspect and uh and uh, and and i heard a, a preacher say one time he said i only got uh one point i actually only have two points and man how it pained me to only bring two points i tried every way to get a third point and and uh and it's just not in there uh but i have 57 sub points under those two uh points so we're okay all right uh we'll we'll get through it all but uh but uh uh, I, I looked at this, and it's very clearly broken up into two sections. And, uh, and you can see that very clearly. I think the, distincting, the, the, the lines are very clear on that. And he starts off in verse number 8. He says, Owe no man anything but to love one another. So verses 8 through 10, you can see very clearly uh, that we are to love one another. That's what he expounds upon. And uh, Now I want to just make this statement, uh, I, I thought I had noted it down, maybe I put it in my intro and I didn't read it, uh, but but we look at verse number 8 and he says, owe oh, no man anything. And some people want to take that idea uh, that, hey, you should never get a loan. Um, I don't think that's exactly what Paul is saying. I think Paul is transitioning where he'd go back to verse number 7, render therefore to Uh, "...to all their dues, tribute to whom tribute is due, custom to whom custom, fear to whom fear, honor to whom honor." And so he's talking about how we are to pay uh, our respects, our debts, and all of the things, our taxes. And there's a lot in there. It's more than just a financial debt that he's talking about. And and then he transitions in verse 8 and he says, "...ow no man anything." Um, But he's talking more than just about finances." And and while the Bible is very clear about finances, uh, that we ought to be very careful about loans. We ought to not just go out and, and negligently have loans. The Bible does say this about loans in Proverbs 22, 7. The, the rich ruleth over the poor, and the borrower is servant to the lender. And so we ought to be very, very careful about loans. I would not say that uh, that, that we should never have loans. I mean, uh, today, uh, it, it is practically uh, impossible to buy a house without a loan. And a house loan is a loan. Um, and, and so uh, I don't think he's talking directly about finances, though I would certainly caution and say you better just be very careful about loans. Uh, America is, is swamped in debt. I, I I'm amazed when I, I, I don't listen to it as much, but I used to listen to a radio uh, program and, and um, I'm trying to think of the guy's name, but it slips my mind. Uh, but anyway, he, he they, they call in and they, they're, they're calling into his program and they're telling him how much uh, debt they have. And these are like young people and this is not counting their house. And they're like, I've got $30,000 worth of debt. That's not their house. I got $50,000 worth of debt. And I'm thinking to myself, what on earth? How do you have that much debt? But, but I'm just saying um, that, that we need to be very careful of debt. debt. Debt is a dangerous thing, and it's a slippery slope, and, uh, and so we just need to be very careful of that. But I don't think that that's exclusively what Paul is dealing with, because if you look there in our text in verse number 8, he goes on and he says in verse number 8, Owe no man anything but to love one another. Perhaps... There is a play on words. I don't know. Um, sometimes in foreign languages, there's plays on words that that just they just plum don't translate over. Um, one, one of the jokes and one of the few jokes I learned in Spanish uh, was uh, was what does a fish do? Then you're not gonna laugh because it's not funny in English. Um, what does a fish do in, in what's a dead fish or what does a fish do in water? And and the word is nada, and it means to swim. And then you say, what does a dead fish do in water? And you use the same word, nada, and it means to do nothing. And so it's not funny in English, and it doesn't translate because it's a, it's a word play in Spanish. It makes absolutely no sense in English, but in Spanish it's funny. Um, it was one of the few jokes I actually got in Spanish, and I thought it was funny, but, uh, so that was the only one I remembered. But, uh, but word play doesn't always come across. And so perhaps Paul used a word play, I don't know, uh, and maybe it didn't carry over, but I do know he goes from rendering or paying our taxes, paying our dues, paying our respects even uh, to those that are in authority, and then he goes on and says, owe no man anything, but then he goes on and says, but to love one another. And so he hinges on that, that idea paying respects and paying taxes to uh, paying our love that we owe to the world go back with me save your spot here in romans chapter number 13 go back with me to romans chapter number one and i love this verse i know i say that about a lot of verses but there's just so much to love about the word of god romans chapter number one and uh, and look with me in verse number 14 and I don't know if this ties into what Paul is saying. It probably does. But, but this verse is very uh, explicit. It's very clear to us. In Romans chapter number one, he says this. In verse number 14, he says, I am debtor both to the Greeks and to the barbarians, both to the wise and to the unwise. He's saying, Hey, I owe a debt. Uh, to to the barbarians, to the Greeks, to the wise, to the unwise, and he's going on. And look at what he says there in verse number 15. So much as in me is, I am ready to preach the gospel to you that are at Rome also, for I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek." And then he goes on here in Romans chapter 13 in verse number 8, and he says, Oh, no man anything but to love one another. In Romans chapter 1 and verse 14, he's saying, Hey, I feel a great debt to get the gospel both to the barbarians, to the Greeks, both to the wise and to the unwise, uh, and to preach the gospel to every person that needs to hear it. Hey, listen, that's the debt of love that we owe to this world. The world, what does, what does the guy uh, at the counter of, of, maybe you go to Speedway and, and you buy gas and, and you go in there and, uh, and, and you pull a gospel track. Let me ask you something. What did, what did he do for you? Nothing. I mean, he took your money and charged you, rang up the receipt maybe and printed it to you and gave it to you. But, but giving him the gospel is saying, you know what, I care about your soul. I care about your eternity. I don't want you to spend the eternity in a place called hell. I want you to read this gospel tract. And we're not saying it vocally, but the idea is that we are we are sharing the love for that person by saying, hey, I don't want anybody to go to hell. And, and Paul, the apostle Paul is saying, and the word of God is saying, owe no man anything but to love one another. And we are indebted to the world for the grace that we received and it is grace it's not that we deserved that grace it's not that we went out and earned our salvation but it was freely given to us and God says hey if you freely received, freely give it out and God says hey if I've loved you then you ought to love the rest of the world and we ought to show the love of Christ by witnessing to them and letting them know so the apostle Paul is saying and the word of God is saying oh no man anything but to love of one another, and so he's saying, "Hey, we've got a debt of love that we ought to give to the world, and we ought to pay that to the world." And truly, what a great salvation we have! I mean, you look at it and you think about it. I was—I uh, love—I love talking to people and and hearing how they got saved and just their life story. And I'm amazed at life after life after life after life, how they've walked completely different paths and different uh, areas and different ways and different things that has happened in their life, but then they're touched by the gospel of Jesus Christ. Hey, and their life has changed. Man, what a blessing to have a changed life. How we ought to love other people and pass that along to them. So the Apostle Paul is saying, oh, no man, anything but to love one another. He goes on and he says, for he that loveth another hath fulfilled the law. We have a responsibility to get the gospel to the lost and dying world. But listen, not just to the lost and dying world, but also we have a responsibility to love one another. I looked that phrase up, uh, that that phrase love one another is repeated over and over in the New Testament. Matter of fact, Jesus said it in John 13, 34. He said a new commandment, that would be something that's new. This is that Jesus is giving. A new commandment I give unto you that ye love one another as I have loved you that ye also love one another one another. In John 15, 17, it says, these things I command you that ye love one another. It says that again in the gospel of John 15. uh, It says, love one another. So not just our love to the lost and dying world and getting them the gospel, but our love to other Christians as well. It's repeated over and over again in the New Testament. It's repeated so frequently, perhaps because we, the Lord knew we would struggle with this most. Sometimes it's not easy to love a brother. Um, sometimes it's not easy to love uh, somebody else. But it's a command from God that we are to love. And he says here in verse number 8, Owe no man anything but to love one another. He goes on in that that verse. So we see the debt of love. But the second thing we see is he says in the second half of that verse, for he that loveth another hath fulfilled the law. We see the duty of the law. We see the debt of love. We see the duty of the law. You know, some want to say, well, the Old Testament law is not relevant. Excuse me, it's repeated right here in the New Testament. And there are parts that are very relevant. Matter of fact, there are parts that are repeated throughout the New Testament. Now, we're not bound to the Old Testament uh, law that pertains to sacrifices and to uh, to the religious ceremonial laws, but there are laws that deal with people that we are very much so bound to. The Bible gives us these, right? they're listed right here for us. And to the Jew, these would be very clear and very distinguished. This is the law of man dealing with man. Uh, and, and he says there in verse number 9, For this thou shalt not commit adultery, thou shalt not kill. Thou shalt not steal. Thou shalt not bear false witness. Thou shalt not covet. And if there be any other commandment, it is briefly comprehended in this saying, namely, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. I just want to go through these just briefly. And uh, and, obvi- and we know many of them, but I'll just give you a, a defining of them. And adultery is a man and a wife belong to one another, and adultery is taking uh, what belongs to someone else. Killing is obviously taking the life of somebody else that does not belong to you. Um, stealing is taking something that does not belong to you uh, and taking that. Bearing false witness is telling something not true about a person that would be gossiping, slandering, lying, doing something to damage somebody else. You know, by the way, it's funny. People don't gossip good. Isn't that funny? It's always bad that gets passed around. They didn't say, guess what? I saw so-and-so and he was, he was reading his Bible the other day. Can you believe that? I saw so-and-so, and he was going to church. You believe that? They, they don't tell that stuff. They're always telling bad stuff. It's made inherently to damage other people. It's not made to build people up. It's not made to make people look good. It's always made to destroy and damage other people. And so bearing false witness, that would be telling a mistruth or something that's not true about somebody else, and it's done uh, under the pretense of damaging or hurting that person or that person's reputation. Coveting. He says, thou shalt not covet. Covetousness is to desire that which is not yours or, for, or forbidding, or in other words, that you should not have it, and being dissatisfied until getting it. Ahab is a great example of that. Ahab coveted the garden that was beside his, and, and, uh, and he wanted to go and buy it. And, and the man said, I cannot sell it. It's my inheritance from the Lord. It's forbidden me that I should sell it. You know what Ahab did? He should have walked away so said, well, I guess that's done. I guess I won't have it. I guess I'll look for another piece of property that is available. But Ahab instead pouted. Here's a grown man, a king of Israel, pouted, cried, went to his room, refused to eat. And his wife said, what's wrong, honey? Oh, he's got a beautiful garden and he won't sell it to me. And you know what she did? She worked it all out and worked her magic and lied and slandered and took the guy and had him killed and said, oh, guess what? That land is now available. Wickedness, and that's covetousness. Covetousness is not being satisfied with what we have and desiring something that we should not have. And so uh, that's covetousness. And, and I just say this, that uh, these, are, these are laws of man with man. And he's very careful to point out that, hey, they are important. And he goes on and he says this in the very end of verse 9. He said, uh, if there be any other commandment, it is briefly comprehended in this saying, namely, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. We have a duty, we have an obligation um, to, to, to follow those laws that are man against man that we ought to be careful that we love one another, that we ought to be careful not to to steal, not to covet, uh, not to commit adultery, not to bear false witness, uh, not to do those things that would be damaging and harmful to other people. So we see the debt of love we owe. We see the duty of the law and how it even falls into this idea of love. Look with me in verse number 10. And he says, Love... He continues this theme of love. Love worketh no ill to his neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfilling of the law. And we have defined love. He defines it for us, what it is. Uh, In the Old Testament, there were laws about moving the ancient landmarks. What they would do is when the lands were out and divided, they would, they would put a, uh, some rocks and they would, they would line them out and they would define where that guy's land is. And what they would do is they'd go out at night when everyone else was sleeping and nobody was watching and they'd go move those rocks a foot over onto their neighbor's land. Next one, move it a foot over onto his neighbor's land. Next one, move it a foot over onto his neighbor's land. And, and, and by doing that, uh, his neighbor probably wouldn't notice a foot difference. And, uh, and, uh, and, and maybe after another month or two or maybe six months down the road, he'd take that landmark and he'd move it another foot over. And, and eventually, he would, his property would be larger. And there was actually a law that said, hey, don't do that. You know what that is? It's stealing. But it's also working ill towards your neighbor. It's just saying, hey, I'm going to claim more than what is mine and uh, my neighbor won't notice. And, and the Bible is just simply saying, love worketh no ill to his neighbor. In other words, that we wouldn't go out and try and find ways to, uh, to, to work ill or agitate or annoy or try and undermine uh, our neighbor, but that we would be able to get along and work with them. And can I tell you this? That's a Christian concept. That's not a worldly concept. They, they probably won't work that way to you. But we are to, as we go back to Romans chapter 12, and he says uh, in in verse number 18, he says, if it be possible, as much as lieth in you, live peaceably with all men. So he's kind of summing up this whole idea of practical Christian living, and he's saying, hey, love is defined that we will not try to undermine or work ill or hurt or destroy what our neighbor has or, or what belongs to him. And so uh, love, that's the defining of it. And, uh, and we are to live this action, and sometimes it can be very challenging, especially when people uh, hurt you or deliberately gossip or slander or lie or cheat or try and steal from you or uh, try and do things to go against you as a neighbor. And, and sometimes it can be very difficult. And I'll be honest, I don't have all the answers. I don't know what to do in some circumstances. Pray and ask God to help you. Pray and ask God to give you wisdom and look for the for answers in the Word of God because really it can be difficult. But I do know this, the Bible says, love worketh no ill to his neighbor. In other words, I'm not going to try and harm or defame or hurt my neighbor in any way because I have a responsibility of love to the lost world and to the fellow believer. And so we see this idea of love. We see the debt of love that we owe. We see the duty of the law and how that interacts with loving one another. And then we see the defining of love and how he says, hey, that we're not to do any ill or hurt to them. Uh, And then he goes in verse number 10 and he says, therefore, love is the fulfilling of the law. In other words, hey, don't steal, don't covet. Don't commit adultery, don't, mil- don't, don't murder, don't kill, uh, don't covet. And uh, and all of that will, will just help you be able to embrace the idea of loving your neighbor and not going against your neighbor. And so we see this idea very clearly spelled out of love. Verses 11 through 14, I want you to notice this. He deals with living our life. So verses 10 through or 8 through 10, he deals with love, and verses 11 through 14 through the end of the chapter here he really deals with living your life. Look what he says there in verse number 11. And that knowing the time that now it is high time to awake out of sleep for now is our salvation nearer than when we believed. The night is far spent, the day is at hand. Let us therefore cast off the works of darkness, and let us put on the armor of light. He talks about in the first verse, uh, verse number 11, and in the first part of verse number 12, uh, the time, the daylight. And he's saying, hey, now it's, it's high time to wake up. Hey, we've got to wake up is what he's telling the Christians. I find this amazing because he was writing this to the Christians in Rome, uh, and, and I don't remember exactly what, what year, but we'll say 30 A.D., 64 A.D., it might have been some time, but within the first hundred years after, uh, after Christ had been born, so we're talking somewhere maybe uh, uh, 40 years or 10 years after Christ had died, and he's reminding them, hey, it's time to wake up. The majority of the world doesn't have the gospel. Boy, if the apostle Paul were alive today, uh, and he is alive in heaven, but, but not here on earth, I think, man, we're so much further down the road in wickedness, and yet, boy, how people need the gospel. And he would say, I think he would write it this way in verse number 11, and and that knowing the time, that now it is high time to awake out of sleep. I think he'd write it the same way that we need to wake up to the reality that that this world is lost and without the Lord Jesus Christ, and it's time to wake up and that our salvation is closer now than when we believed one of the um ongoing I don't really want to say joke, but it's a saying that we we I, I come across sometimes and is that In all reality, we're all one day closer to death. Sometimes people are like, man, I don't know, you know, it doesn't look good. And I say, well, you know, that's true. But you know what? In all reality, we're all one day closer to death. Every day, uh, we don't know when the end is, but at some time, it's going to be labbed off in our time Will be up, And that's what the Apostle Paul is saying. He's saying, listen, we're all marching one step closer to either death when, when our life will be cut off or that Jesus Christ will come back. And, and I think the point he's trying to get across is, hey, listen, if we're going to pay our debt of love to this world, if we're going to witness to this world, we have got to do it now while we're still alive. We're so good at procrastinating. We're so good at saying, well, tomorrow. I heard a preacher say a couple weeks ago, I think it was a youth conference I went to, and he was talking about, um, was talking about the devil's favorite word. And he said, he said, I'm convinced in my mind, above all things, that the devil's favorite word is tomorrow. Well, you yeah, great truth in that. Well, I'll do that tomorrow. Well, I'll witness to my friend tomorrow. Well, I'll give them a gospel track tomorrow and we put off and put off and put off, and tomorrow is the day that never comes. And if we'll put it all off, and the Apostle Paul is saying, listen, now is the time. Now is the time that we need to wake up and we need to realize, hey, we have got a witness. If we're going to do something for the Lord, it has got to be done today. We cannot put it off till tomorrow. He says now is the time, the daylight time. He goes on in verse number, the end of verse number 11, excuse me, in the end of verse number 12, and he says this, let us therefore cast off the works of darkness, and let us put on the armor of light. Verse number 13, let us walk honestly as in the day, not in rioting and drunkenness, not in chambering and wantonness, not in strife and envying, and, uh, and we have the dark fleshly living. The Bible often equates darkness and nighttime uh, with sins that, are, that kind of go with it, and he gives us just a few of those sins, and what are they? Rioting and drunkenness. That would be unrestrained, uncontrolled eating. It's often associated with eating, partying, and doing whatever you want. We associate rioting as uh, breaking and looting, and, and that, would, that is all part of it. Um, we kind of associate that more with that because that's what happened recently in our history, that people would, you know, riot in the streets and they would break into stores and they would steal whatever they want. And that kind of goes with it. It's an uncontrolled, unrestrained, doing whatever you want. And he's saying, hey, we've got to be careful of that. Uh, and then he goes on, he says, uh, chambering. And chambering, that's a strange word. We don't use that today. But it basically means sleeping around. And you think of chamber, that would be a bed. Uh, that would be a room. And so going from place to place. And, uh, and wantonness, that would be uncontrolled uh, passions that we've got to be careful of. And then he goes on and he says strife and envying. Uh, that would be fighting with one another, or a, a power struggle that somebody's trying to get above somebody else. We dealt a lot with that in the book of Proverbs, that we looked at strife. And, uh, and to be careful of that. And he's saying hey, that these things have got to be put off. And we kind of talked about that even this morning uh, in our, in our uh, message at this morning in the Sunday in the service. And then he says in verse number 14, put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ. And I like this phrase in the end of verse number 14, and make... Not provision for the flesh to fulfill the lusts thereof. Somebody once was counseling somebody that was struggling with drinking. And as they struggled with drinking, I, I think it was my dad, it might have been, and he, he said he wrote down um, on a three by five card, actually, he had the fellow down, he gave him references to verses that talked about drinking. And he wrote them down on a three by five card. And the guy said, you know, even even when I go to the grocery store, he said, and I, I go by the, uh, the, just the place where they sell liquor almost anymore today, you can't hardly go anywhere, and they sell liquor everywhere. And, and he was saying, it's just, you know, it, it's just constantly there. My dad said, listen, you carry this 3 by 5 card down, you write these verses down, and every time that you get tempted by alcohol, he said, I want you to pull this 3 by 5 card out and read these verses that deal with drunken. Because really, temptation is before us, but the Bible says, make not provision for the flesh. Listen, everyone has faults and weaknesses in their own life. If you know what your weaknesses are, you better guard against them. Make provision so that you don't fall into those traps that that Satan has set for you. And they're different for every person. Uh, And so we have got to be careful because our flesh is weak. Our flesh will fall back into sin. We have got to be so careful, and that's why he's saying, hey, put it off and put on the Lord Jesus Christ. I I put it this way, dressed in the righteousness of Jesus Christ every single day, living like Jesus. You know why they were called Christians? The Bible says in uh, Berea, if I'm not mistaken, it says they were were called Christians. It was not a, a great name for them. It was a mocking name. Because they acted like little Christs. They lived righteously. And it was made to make fun of them. And we, we bear that proudly. There's nothing wrong with the, the name Christian. I, I'm proud to be called a Christian. But may our life line up with that and say, you know what? I want to live in the righteousness of Jesus Christ in my life. You know what that means? It means there's some things that we got to part ways with. And sometimes it's things that, that, that we've just got to be plumb very careful with to get away from the wickedness of our flesh. The Bible says it this way in Galatians 5.16. He says, This I say then, walk in the Spirit, and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh Lusteth against the Spirit and the Spirit against the flesh, and these are contrary the one to the other, so ye cannot do the things that ye would. I like to encourage people to read their Bibles in the morning. I like to encourage people to get up. Get up five minutes extra early and read your Bible. And, and do what, you know what it is? It's, it's a disciplining of yourself that says, you know what, I want to walk in the Spirit. Walking in the Spirit is not some mystical, uh, curious thing. You know what it is? It's getting up and saying, God, help me to live right today. And just reading His Word, God, speak to me as I read Romans chapter 13 and show me something from Your Word. And it's just communing and walking with the Lord every single day. If you've ever tried it, you know it is a challenge to do that every day. It's work. It's not easy. It doesn't come naturally. I don't just pop up in the morning and say, man, I want to go out and read my Bible. Sometimes you get up and you say, man, I'm really tired. I didn't sleep good last night. Man, that dog barked all night long. Or, man, this happened or that happened. Or, uh, you know, many things happen. And, and you wake up and, and that alarm goes off. And you're, man, I don't feel like getting out of bed today. I don't feel, I need that extra sleep. And, and it's a discipline to take yourself and say, you know what? I want to live how God wants me to live today and to walk in the Spirit. And it's not an easy thing, but it's a required thing. And so the Bible tells us, it admonishes us. It says, cast off. I love the wording there. He doesn't say just put off, but rather cast it off. Get it away from you. Throw it away uh, so that it's far from you. Cast off, the Bible says. The works of darkness. And he says in verse 14, Put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ and make not provision for the flesh to fulfill the lusts thereof. we got to be careful in our life that we walk. We're talking about practical Christian living, that we would walk with God in our life on a daily basis. It's work. It takes discipline. It takes time. It takes effort. It takes, uh, uh, it takes dedication to say, hey, I'm going to do that. But we see living our life. We see a love that we're obliged to show to the world, lost people, to the uh, saved people. We see a a living of our life that, hey, our testimony matters. and, And we have got to, if you died today and you're saved, praise the Lord, you're going to go to heaven, wonderful, what kind of testimony did you leave? Who's the last person you talked to? If the Lord comes tonight, if the Lord comes tomorrow, uh, our testimony's all done. We we don't have a second opportunity. And what is that testimony that we've left behind? We ought to leave a good testimony behind. We ought to be challenged. We ought to be motivated uh, to be a witness and to love and to show the love of Christ to the world that is lost. He talks about love and he talks about living our life. We ought to live it as a testimony to the Lord Jesus Christ, with every head bowed and every eye closed as we stand to our feet. Father, we thank You for Your Word. God, what a challenging passage in all reality to owe no man anything but to love one another. God, what a challenge that we are to love the lost and dying world. And God, sometimes it's not easy. Sometimes it's challenging. But I pray that You'd help us to be a witness, to show love and show compassion to the lost, to show love and compassion to the saved, which sometimes can be challenging as well. But God, to live our life with a good testimony and to cast off the works of the flesh and to put on the Lord Jesus Christ. God, we're stubborn. Sometimes our flesh doesn't want to. And we have to make ourselves. God, I pray that You'd strengthen us. I pray that You'd help us. I pray, Father, that You would encourage us. God, there's a great reward. There's great peace for walking in the Spirit. There's a great joy that can only be there because of You, of living for You. God, the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, long-suffering, and all of the rest that go with that. God, I pray that You'd help us to have that in our life. and To be a great testimony to those that are around us. God, will thank You for that. God, I pray that You would encourage, strengthen, and challenge every person In Jesus' precious name, I pray, amen. As the music begins to play, if God's spoken to your heart, the altar's open. Practical Christian living, very practical message, a very, where the rubber meets the road, and sometimes it's difficult, but it's not impossible. God wouldn't give us something to do that is impossible. It's a challenge that we would work at it. a challenge that we could do it. to a close and